thank you, your word, is the power to break through all barriers even, even barriers of unbelief, even barriers in which we ourselves uh, wonder how your word could ever come to pass in our lives. So we thank you, Lord, that you bring your word close to us, Lord, in such a way that it overshadows all our limitations. We wait upon you right now for to speak. Praise your name, Lord. We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Praise your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good to see you. I'm, I'm struck by the fact that the presence of the Lord is here. And in some ways, when the presence of the Lord is here, there are some implications to his presence that are really important for us because of the fact that his presence here gives us no options for acting. What do I mean by that? I mean that when he is present, he is he imposes upon him upon us himself we he's only present i mean you know we know that god is present everywhere right to the believers and the unbelievers to the obedient as well as the disobedient but when christians speak about the presence of god we don't actually mean that we mean god's presence in such a way that we respond to his presence attentively, so much so that when we do that, he is able to manifest his glory, his love, his power, and his, his, his activities, as well as his riches. That's what we mean by his presence. We are present to him. God is present to us all the time, whether we are awake or asleep, whether we are paying attention or not, he is always present to us. But when we, are, when, when we say that we are in the presence of God, we are really speaking more about ourselves because we become to be attentive or present to him. Yeah? And I think that's really important because for, for, for many of us, we don't seem to experience the presence of God because of the lack of our own being present to him. Yeah, we don't, we don't have that. And so because of that, we feel that often that God is absent, right? So let's look at Isaiah chapter 64. I'm going to go all over the place today. And, uh, and we will look at a situation in which God seemed to be absent, even though he was infinitely present to the people of God. Verse 1 onwards. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. Yeah? As fire kindles brushwood, as fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. For from days of old they have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts on behalf of one who waits for him, who's present to him. You see how the two things come together. 
You're talking about a, uh, a situation, Isaiah is speaking about a, a situation in Israel or in Judah in which, actually both Israel and Judah, in which God seems to be absent. And so in the, when he's saying, Lord, we want you to come down and make the mountains flow and make your presence known, he's implying that God's presence was not being felt, right? Not being known. He was, he was speaking about the absence of God, right? And he's imploring God to actually come down and make his presence known. And then the Lord is speaking to him and the Lord is showing him how God can be present to even one person who waits upon him. I have found this chapter since I was in my early 20s, wet behind the ears, new in ministry, very, very inspiring and challenging. Even now, I'm 66 years old, and it is just as challenging now as it is, has been when I was 23 years old, when I first ent- went to, entered into full-time ministry. You can imagine how long I've been in full-time ministry. But this thing is still fresh to me, because when I went, full, went into full-time ministry, I wanted to see the power of God everywhere I went. And when I was just, and I just graduated and I was doing my master's in, uh, in, the, in the university, I, I was so captured by that. And I was wondering why most people were not. They were, when you get a promise like this, right? It's like a blank check, right? God saying, you know what? It's not me who doesn't, who, who, who's withholding. It's you. So I t- took it seriously. And I must say that since then, I've seen so much of God's presence and miracles in my life. And it sure has not t- nothing to do with spiritual maturity. Because I've seen God working in, despite immaturity on my part. Gross immaturity. But there's one thing that Isaiah chapter 64 says that's captured me. He said, from days of old, verse 4, they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts in behalf of one who waits for him. So, wow, all this stuff, neither has ears heard or, or eyes seen all the things that God has prepared for those who wait upon him. He's not looking for, a, for thousands of people, he's looking for one person, right? It's funny how always God's look, the, the focus, contracts to one's, one person. You know, Ezekiel chapter 22, right? I, stu- I, 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 I look for a man who would stand in the gap, right? Uh, Isaiah chapter 50, uh, I, I, Isaiah 50, 50, he talks about, why is it when I came, there was no, not one man? And I would take it to mean man or woman, yeah? Uh, and God's const- constantly looking for at least one person. But if you, you and I, are captured by that and you said yeah why not why not it why can't it happen to me here then you become that person in which i has not seen nor ear heard the things that god has prepared for those who wait upon him 
I may be speaking to a group of people here, but even if one person responds to that, amazing things can happen. So I planted seven churches. Actually, I planted six churches and I pastored the mother church of our, our church planting movement. I did not plant that church. But then, in, since, since then, I have not ceased to see God's tremendous miracles, whether it's financially, whether it's from our children, or just miracles happening in church. I want to challenge you that even if one of us responds to this, God will do things that no eye has seen, no ear heard. And I saw that happen in my life, even from the, from the age of 23. Um, and so, this is what I, I, I believe. Now, this is not the end of the story, of course. He acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. You meet him, verse 5, who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways, Behold, you were angry, for we sinned. We continued in them a long time, and shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name, who arouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us, and have delivered us into the power of our own iniquities." And so what, 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 what Isaiah is basically saying is this, in contrast to the one who waits upon you, we have this problem, we fade away easily. We don't get established in faith, we don't get established in your presence. Something about us is just fady, we just fade. Our resolve, whether it's to pray or to be before you or not, we just fade. But not only that, not only that he's saying, we fade into the hand of our own iniquities. What happens is this, our own sin captures us. We are not so volitional. When we sin with our wills, our lives are captured by the will with which we, with, with which we have sinned. We are trapped by our own actions. We are trapped by our will. And the more we sin, the more we are, we, 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 we are independent of you, the more we are caught in our own self-will. The freedom that we have for ourselves traps us. Because it's not just an issue of our will, it's the fact that our human nature is in bondage. And the more freedom that we have for ourselves, the more we are caught by the, 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 the clutches of our own will, our own sin. Because it's not just that we are free people. We are actually people of bondage. We are so in bondage that we have to, we have to be careful about our freedom because of what it does to us. And so, um, Isaiah is basically saying, saying the problem with us is that we can't get established in the presence of God. It's just too fleeting. And so because of that, we fade away so easily. Today I'd like to talk about being established in faith, established in God. What God wants to do is to establish us, amen? And cause us not to be constantly unfruitful because of the fact that we never 
never get established into the ground of his 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 truth all right let's have a look at this it's very interesting that israel also never got established in fact israel for long for for until jesus came never got established in god they never got established into the in the things that god had promised them was which is which is really sad and uh as a result of that um israel's um history is one of one sad episode after another um i want to i want to i want to look at this even even more okay and perhaps that isaiah chapter 664 has something for us uh that we will go back to turn with me to isaiah chapter 7 Isaiah chapter 7. Let's look at it from verse 1. We're looking at the, the life of King Ahaz. King Ahaz was an evil king, and he, became, he was the father of uh, King Hezekiah, who was a good king. Hezekiah tried to undo what Ahaz had done, but what did Ahaz do? It came about in the days of Ahaz, verse 1, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that resin king of Aram, that is Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel. So at that time, there were, Israel was divided. It split into the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. Ten, ten tribes in, in Israel and two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, in the southern kingdom. And so sometimes Israel is called Ephraim as the representative name of the northern kingdom israel so israel northern kingdom judah southern kingdom okay and so king of israel went up to jerusalem to wage war against it but could not conquer it and when it was reported to the house of david which is in the southern kingdom saying the arameans have camped in ephraim remember the northern kingdom his heart the king of ahaz and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. They were very shaky. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your sons, Shears, Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool of the highway of the fullest field, verse 4, and say to him, Take care and be calm. Have no fear. And do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands on account of the fierce anger of Rezin, the king of Syria, Syria, and Aram, the son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. Because Aram with Ephraim and the sons of Ramalia has planned evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. So they want to set up, a, they want to destroy southern kingdom, the kingdom of Ahaz, uh, the kingdom of Judah, and set up a puppet king, Tabeel. Okay, verse 7. Thus says the Lord God, I shall, it shall not stand nor shall it come to pass for the head of aram is damascus then the head of damascus is resin now within now within another 65 years ephraim will be shattered so that it is no longer a people and the head of ephraim is samaria and the head of samaria is the son of ramalia that is 
Ahaz. For, sorry, not, not Ahaz. Um, the son of Ramalia. I forget what his name is. If you will not believe, you surely will not last. And then um, Isaiah gives a, a, a sign. When then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David. Is it not too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she shall call his name Emmanuel, and he will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. So here's the situation. King Ahaz is being challenged by two kings, the king of Syria, king of Aram, okay, also known as Aram, and the king of the northern Israel, Israel, the northern kingdom. And so he is being challenged by these two, okay? And they have actually become uh, a tremendous source of anxiety for King Ahaz. And so Isaiah comes to him and says, don't be afraid, be calm, be at rest. Because what they are going to do will not stand. Okay, will not stand. King Ahaz, it says, it's like a, a tree that has been shaken in the wind. The leaves have been shaken in the wind. His heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. We want to ask the question, how can we be not like that? Right? Because what is happening was that because he was so shaky in his faith, he could never get established. And Isaiah was saying this is a great opportunity for him to actually, in his shakiness, find change and transformation taking place in which he would be established, solid, in faith. Does that make sense? We experience such things in our lives where during the times of greatest anxiety, what God wants to do is to establish us. Okay? He wants to establish us. And so Isaiah says, don't worry about them. You stand firm. Stand firm in God. Because he knew that King Ahaz wanted to go to the king, the king of Assyria and get protection from him. And what Isaiah was saying is, don't do that. God said, don't do that because he will oppress you later. Which he did. Okay, which he did. And so Isaiah is saying, stand firm, depend upon God. Don't depend upon these idols. Don't depend upon these external helps. Don't go and outsource your strength to something else. You are my vineyard. You are my people. I will protect you. I will keep you. In Isaiah chapter 20, 27, later on, he says, you, are, you will be a, a pleasant vineyard to me. And because of, this, because of this, I will water you. I will protect you. I will defend you. Right? And King Ahaz He's shaky, right? He is coming to the place of his crisis, which could be the place of his establishment in faith. He was about to see the glory of God. God had this for him. Just as he has this for all of us. He wants to cause us to experience his presence so that we are steady in his presence and see the glory of God. 
happen in our lives. We all need miracles. Not because of the fact that we want to see a great circus show, but because of the fact that we need things from God. We need to be saved. And so Isaiah comes to um, uh, King Ahaz and he says, Be steady. And then he says something that is really an interesting pun in Hebrew. He says, If you do not amen, which is the, which is the English translation, believe, okay, if you do not believe, you will not be established. And so in the Hebrew, it sounds like this. Imlo ta aminu. Aminu is from the word amen. Okay? Imlo, if you do not believe, aminu. Kilo te amenu. That means you will not be amend, established. Aminu means believe. Amen, amenu means established. So you see there's a little pun there, right? Okay, so what he's saying is this. If you don't believe, you will not be established. Yeah? You will not be established. So there's the amen and amen. If you don't amen my word, you will not be amened. Okay? That's what Isaiah is basically saying. It's a pun, right? And so what he's basically saying is this, you have a situation in which you being established will depend upon whether you can believe or not. And so what, what King Ahaz does is that he says, he demures, okay? He moves back when Isaiah says, you can ask for a sign from the, 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 the heights of heaven to the, the depths of the earth. You ask for any sign and God will do it for you. Because God recognized the fact that we are shaking in the wind. And God does not despise our shakiness. He comes to us and he says, whatever sign you want, I'll give it to you. As long as you are willing to do what I tell you to do. If you're willing to, be, to believe. Okay? And so, you know what Ahaz says? It sounds very pious and uses pious language. And he says, I will not test the Lord. Ooh, how is that? I'm not going to test the Lord. Isaiah is saying, go test the Lord. Because if you are keep integrity with the testing, the sign that God gives you, and you obey it, God will establish you. And Ahaz says, I don't want to do that. It sounds pious, but actually it's disobedient. Because he's saying, if God shows me the sign, I'm still not going to do it. And that is something that can cause many Christians who sound very pious, who sound like, I, I don't care about miracles. I don't care about the Lord, the Lord doing signs. I'm better than that. I'm more rational than that. I have more integrity than that. I'm not going to test the Lord. After all, Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. <laughs> it sounds so pious, but actually, it's hogwash. Because he's not obedient to the Lord. He's not willing to believe the Lord. And to put his life into the Lord's hands. 
Amen? Now, there is something that, about that that causes us never to be established in faith. And when I say faith, I don't mean faith that some brash people who are like brass and brazen and bold who can say, yeah, I can believe that and they can do that, right? They're just impulsive. They're just not, that's not faith. That's just impulsive, impulsiveness. They're just being callous right now. No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that kind of brash, brash kind of a brazen kind of faith. I mean faith in the sense of putting ourselves in the hands of the Lord with no options. Letting the Lord be our Lord. And so here's where, where, where Ahaz backed away from it and he actually um, made an alliance with Assyria. And Isaiah comes to him and says, if you do that, there will come a time in which they will shave your buttocks, they'll shave your beard, and, and you will be, be, be strung up and led into exile. That's the worst, that's the worst kind of insult, right? Okay, I'm, we won't talk about that too much. All I can say is this is the most humiliating thing that could ever happen. If you go to the British, British Museum, you can see in Lakish, um, these, 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 these huge uh, depictions of uh, Israelite uh, slave boys being led bare-buttocked into Assyria, into the throne of Sennacherib. But they never caught, they, they never got Jerusalem because of Hezekiah, because of the Lord. But in, anyway, that, that's what that's what actually happened. There is something that causes us not to be established. And I like to talk about that because we do have a problem of not getting established all the ways to seeing the Lord work mighty wonders and signs in our lives. Remember Isaiah 64 says, Lord, show us your presence. We want to see your presence more and more, right? And so... I put it to you that actually God is wanting to do something more in, in, in us. And sometimes what we want to do is to actually escape the tight situation in which God is wanting to establish us. Yeah? Uh, two weeks ago, I shared with the fact that sometimes we focus so much on the psychological aspect of faith that we don't realize that faith is not a, a psychological or an emotional or mental state that we have. Faith has to do with our reliance on someone else. Amen? You, you, you rely on someone else. You don't rely on your state of mind and ask the question, do I have faith or not? We don't do that because the faith doesn't lie in a subjective experience that we have. Faith has to do with the fact that there is someone who's reliable so that whether I have the feeling of faith or not, I rely upon him. I throw myself at him whether I feel like it or not. Does that make sense? We have to get out of our psychological kind of sense of identity, get out of that so that we are not just what we identify ourselves as, that we actually have something much more objective. And the objective fact is this, the word of God, which is God himself, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, is the one who we rely upon. And you can throw yourself at him, if you, whether you have mixed feelings or you have half faith, 
or you're wavering or you're, you don't even feeling, you're not even feeling it, you can throw yourself at him. Amen? And that's why, and last week, Rajiv was speaking about the fact that the children of Israel, right at the, right at the border, they were just so close to the promised land, turned back. Does that make sense? That happens a lot of times when we think that we don't have enough faith. And the children of Israel says, no, we don't have enough faith. You know, the, the, our children are going to be destroyed. And here's the thing, see. The children of Israel came to the place where faith was required and they located their faith in their feelings. And that is why God says they always err in their heart because they went by what they felt. What they felt clouded their faith. Amen? So may I suggest to you that actually faith is much more profound than how we feel about it. And we have to get ourselves out of, out, out of our own psychology and allow ourselves to, re, to rely on, on, on the reality of who God is quite apart from how we feel about Him. Yeah. Right? Our society is caught up, is caught up in the psychological, what, uh, what Carl Truman calls the psychological person. And the psychological person is our reality. And as a result of that, we go so much by that that we can never get out of the trap of our own subjectivity. God is healing us, and if God, God's going to heal us, He'll take us out of that. So that the Word of God has power in and of itself. Now here's what happened in, 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 uh, in Ahaz. True enough, Ramalia and Rezin came after Jerusalem, and they failed. But because of the fact that Ahaz made an alliance with Assyria, the cost was great. The cost was great. He lost 200,000 men to, to Rezin and 120,000 men to Ramalia. But the word of God was still powerful, whether Hezekiah felt it on, oh, sorry, uh, whether Ahaz felt it or not. So sometimes what happens is that God calls us to just stand firm. And when we stand firm, you can shake all you want. You can, you can, you can shake all you want. I was going to use more picturesque language, but I will not. I will refrain from myself. You can shake all you want. And God will do it quite apart from how you feel about it. Amen? Now, I want to put it to you that actually, faith is not a feeling, but it is an objective reality that stands almost outside of yourself. If you can direct your reliance upon Him. Yeah. And as you do that, God begins to show something that is quite apart from your own feelings, that is quite outside of yourself. Amen? Yes. Okay, let's have a look at this then. God is establishing us. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 64 and see whether God gives us a key that perhaps takes us a little bit deeper. I'm struck by this. When we talked about Isaiah 64 and we talked about how Israel is so, so quick to fade away, 
in, in his own iniquities. It seems like the key to being established is, can be found in verse 4 and verse 5. For from days of old, they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. So what God is saying is this, you have never seen what I can do if you wait for me. Who acts on behalf of one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. I was sharing with the, some of the guys uh, last Tuesday. I actually received this for my devotion. And the Lord showed me the word wait here is the Hebrew word uh, haka. And we can think of wait as like waiting a certain number of minutes and hours or days or an expanse of time, right? I has not seen or ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who wait for him. And we can think of wait, waiting in terms of like just waiting, in terms of extension in time. But the word haka actually does not actually mean that. It actually has more of the more picturesque view of being tied to and bound to him. Right? So when he says be waiting upon him, he means not just waiting for a long time for him. He actually means actually being bound to him. You tie yourself to him. So that when he moves, when he moves the left hand, because your right hand is tied to, to his left hand, your right hand moves together with, with his left hand. Just as he's moving, you're moving too. It has more to do with synchronization. It has to do with being tied in such a way that you lose your autonomy, you lose your freedom to decide whether you want to do it or not. Okay? So when, he's, when God says, the things that I want to do, I want to do with somebody who's tied to me in such a way that he or she loses his choice of whether he wants to move with me or not. He loses his choice about, where, about, about when he wants to move. When he wants to move with me or not. He moves at the exact moment I say move. He doesn't move or she doesn't move when I say move and she said, let me pray about it. Or let me think about it. He's, he's saying... The idea of waiting is actually opposite of what we think. We think of waiting as taking some time. Longer. Yeah, longer time. The actual meaning of, of, of haka has to do with actually not doing that, but being completely attentive to him. So that when he says, move, move now. Okay? It's a bit counterintuitive, but what it really means is this. Waiting has to do with the quality of being bound to him in such a way that we are attentive to him when he says, move, you move. My brother, um, who has a, um, who has a, who, who now pastors three churches, but when he came to our church, he was quite a young Christian. And he, uh, he was learning how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And 
as he was learning to be more sensitive to the Spirit, he felt the Holy Spirit bind himself to him and says, John, I want you to obey me whenever I tell you. You will not understand what I mean, why I give you an instruction, but you do what it what I tell you to, to do, whether you're sure of it or not, but you'd be more concerned about obeying rather than hearing it right. You have to be obedient to me. So he was sitting in front of a fire, a great big furnace in an in oil palm um, factory. And uh, just looking at the fire, meditating on, 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 on the Lord while he was looking at the fire. He was the supervisor for that. As he was looking at the fire, a thought just dropped in his heart. Get away from the fire. Get away from the fire. And immediately, he said to everybody, get out of here. They all didn't even question him. They just got out of there and immediately the, the furnace exploded. Six people would have died, for sure, including him, if he did not respond to it. And he came back and he, told, he shared with me, I've learned that it's not a matter of whether I heard from him or not and then obeyed whenever I had the margin to obey. I had to obey him immediately. Does that make sense? That is the difference between waiting as in being tied to him and waiting in which we're just thinking in terms of a long time waiting so that something would happen. Waiting has to do with being attentive, just like a waiter, just like a waiter or a waitress or whatever we nowadays call these people. To be waiting had to do with that. So... And there's something about Ahaz that actually tries to detract from that because Ahaz wants to act in a realm that is not immediate to the nudging of God. And by doing that, he gets out of the zone of where voice is actually happening. If Hebrews chapter, chapter 4 says, the word of God is like a sharp two-edged sword, it cuts through marrow. When the, when the word of God comes, you can feel the salon of a, a certain sense of it, that's a certain slicing. It sensitizes us, you know? And, 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 and I remember when, one, one time um, I was, in a, I was in, in a conference and I was speaking at this conference and before I came up to speak and share the word of God, I uh, had this, this impression upon me that I should speak first about something that the Lord was showing me. And I shared that um, I have a sense of slight urgency that I have to say, give this word. And the word was this. God is wanting you to move from this house, from this, from this congregation. You need to go. You need to go. And so everybody was looking at, looking at each other and saying, what, what is that? This person felt that I was speaking straight to him and he left the conference room 
And immediately he got a phone call, a very urgent phone call from someone who could only call at that particular time to inform him of something that he has to do because his mother had passed away. And then he came back and shared. Another time, the Lord spoke to me at one, uh, in, in, in also another, another conference, a different conference, and he spoke to me about the fact that before I, I'm supposed to speak, I'm supposed to share this word. There is one person who is here, and you are so troubled because God has brought up in your heart the abuse that your father has meted out upon you that you just cannot concentrate on this, on the, on, on this service, on, the, on this, this session. And the Lord wants to heal you now so that you can concentrate. <laughs> and the Lord is wanting to heal you of your father's violent abuse of you. Immediately, somebody just screamed out. Just screamed out and started weeping. And I had no idea what to do. The staff members were there. He just wept. And the whole thing took one minute. That's all. At the end of that, this was in Baltimore. Uh, at the end of this, he stood up and he shared, this is what happened to me. I was so overwhelmed that I had decided I was going to leave the conference immediately. And when you spoke at that moment, I decided that I'm going to stay. But God healed me then there. Now, I don't know what he means by heal, but he felt that he has had enough relief and joy for him to stay for the rest of the conference. He was not a Christian. He was not a Christian. He became a Christian there and then. I realized that for me to see God at work, if I had waited till the end of this, the, the session, he would have gone. He would have left, not only the session, but he would have left the conference. So there's a lot of times when God gives us an impression and we give ourselves margin to wait on it. Sometimes that's good. So I, don't let me get you, don't get me wrong. I don't want everybody starting to start shooting from the seat of their pants. Okay, this is not what we are talking about. We're talking about the fact that there are times in which God says, "Now," does that make sense? And for a little bit, you don't feel peace or you don't feel rest to be able to do that. And so this is this is what is going to establish us in Him. To be established, we have to give up the freedom, give up the margin to do what we want to do, when we want to do, and to engage with Him so much so that we are tied to Him, we are bound to Him. Amen? So I want to, I want to put it to you that when we come together and we worship the Lord, the Lord is present. Amen? He's present. He's present today. Once we, once we close in prayer and the presence of God is here, He is with us. That means it behoves us to be attentive to Him. You know where I'm going with this, right? It means this, when we worship the Lord together, you want to be ready if God nudges you to do something. Yeah? Two, sun two Sundays ago, we, when we closed in prayer, we, we went into a ministry, a ministry time and we prayed to the Lord and we allowed the Lord to actually move. And two people 
were healed there. Somebody of her knee and another one of her neck and shoulder. I have found times in which the Lord has given me a nudge, an impression, a word of knowledge, and it proved to be correct, but I didn't speak out. And I've shared this before, before I believe. One, one time the Lord sh- showed me just a picture of a tongue, a tongue. And I thought this was so ridiculous that I didn't say anything. And the Lord wanted to heal somebody with a tongue because at the end of the, of the service, this boy came up to me and says, I have a swelling in my tongue. I had totally had seen that. And then I told him, oh, shoot, I got that. Oh, he said. So I said, okay, I'll pray for you for that. I prayed for him. He didn't immediately get healed. I missed the moment. I missed the moment. What God does is this. He doesn't punish us. He just wants to move with us moment by moment. Amen? So he says, when we wait upon him, it says, who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him, you meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness so that the waiting and the doing are together. And so, I think I've spoken enough. What do you think? I, I'm sure you are ready and willing, willing and waiting to let God use you. If he does, if you don't get anything, it's okay. Just be in the presence of God. Amen? The main thing is to be attentive to him. Let's, uh, let's worship the Lord right now. I want to invite the worship team to come up again and lead us in some worship. So what, what we are, we're doing is this. When we come into true worship, we do not just allow ourselves to be entertained by the songs, but we engage with God. We say, Lord, I tie myself to you. I'm at your service, at your behest. And when that happens, things happen in real time. Whenever we come together, we don't just sit back, we just lean forward and we worship the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm available to you. Totally available to you. you God may give you a, just one word or a sentence or half a picture. Just share the little that you have. The main thing is don't share more than you have. Okay, share what you have. No more, no less. If you have a picture, just share that picture. If God has put something in your heart, go ahead and do that. If it may be a prophecy, it may not be a word of knowledge, it may be just a scripture, or it may be a prayer. Ephesians, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that when we come together, each one of us will have something. Amen? All right. Relax. Just relax first. Okay. Ready to worship him? Praise God. Hallelujah. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit, that the place is alive with your spirit. Thank you, Lord. That there is no margin between your word spoken and your word obeyed. 
like two people in a three-legged race. When, when someone's leg moves, you move too. Or else you just roll down the hill, right? God is... God is immediate to us. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your presence with us. Lord, we want to be present to you. Thank you, Lord, that you can share uh, to us your heart secrets and we open ourselves to you. Bless your name, Lord. Let's lift up our hearts, lift up our hands before him. Just worship him. Direct our eyes towards him. We don't direct our attention to the atmosphere or what's going on around us. We direct it towards him. By looking at him, he begins to tune us, begins to drop things in our hearts. Bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to attention. your name Lord just worship him wherever you are worship you Lord bless your name of us, a fraction of our attention is upon him. But as we more, more and more give ourselves to him, more and more he captures our mind. We give it to him in worship, he captures it for us. 